Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heartfelt Consciousness and My Vinyasa Practice podcast. Uh, my name is Michelle Young, and today I am here with Eva Hawker, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey with yoga. Thanks for joining us, Eva. Hello. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you and I've known each other for a long time, and I'm really excited to dive into uh, our chat today. But first, why don't you tell everybody um, how you got into yoga? What, what inspired you to start practicing? Well, it's kind of a long road, right? Like, so there's the part where I got really serious about it. And then my first exposure to yoga, right? So I was um, a fitness trainer in college when I was also a voice performance major. So I was already kind of putting the move, the exercise stuff together with that. And, and of course there was group movement in that. I was not a group um, exercise person. I was, I was personal training like one-on-one -on -one with people, but through that process, I met the teachers of various other classes and I would go to their classes. And yoga to me at that time in my life felt just like, I don't have enough time to waste my time on something that just feels like I'm stretching, right? Like, okay, this is nice, but I'm already only sleeping four hours a day. I'm a single mom. I'm a, you know, all this stuff. So I just kind of like, oh, that's nice. Maybe later. Right. Um, and then maybe as the years went on, I was learning more body work modalities for teaching voice. Um, my background as a classical singer, university trained, um, was heavily in pedagogy. And then some of my advanced training past um, my undergraduate, I chose to kind of specialize in body work modalities, various, right? There's lots of them, Alexander Technique, Feldenkrais. So as I got deeper into that, yoga just kept coming back up. <laughs> and I, that, I would say that's really when I started to practice yoga, even though maybe here and there, there was a, a class here and there. And then I was always into various kinds of self-study. Um, so now when I look at yoga and I look at the... Uh, like, okay, I was doing a lot of these things. I just didn't know they were yoga. Right. And later I like, okay, I kind of get this. Um, this isn't new for me. I'm just a new kind of vocabulary for it. And then you go deeper and deeper. And my first teacher training was with you in your little studio before you were this giant, you know, entity <laughs> with my vinyasa practice. And that's when really the top came off of it, right? Because it was either about, you know, just getting a little bit of relaxation when you're on vacation, or it was about um, how to get a better singing voice. So I had done some other yoga things that were very specific to the singing voice, improving the, um, the physical instrument. So, and then I just kept running with it. Does yeah. that answer the question? And then I, you know, went on became a yoga therapist and, um, you know, then started putting all of my, which I'd already been doing all the sound stuff together with the yoga stuff, which I'd already sort of been doing in terms of the body work. Mm -hmm. Does that explain it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. that is actually what I'm really interested in is mm -hmm. how did you, uh, you know, over the evolution of your practice, 
how did you start to realize the similarities and you know the bodywork modalities that you were working with for voice training and teaching um, as they relate to yoga and the more subtle practices within yoga? Oh, certainly. Um, when I was teaching uh, primarily voice, it always, almost always ended up being that something that would show up in the voice that I would hear. And as I'm working with these students one-on-one, -on -one, there would there was definitely some something that showed up in the body that was showing up in the voice, was showing up in the emotions, was showing up in the, it was like, so that kosha body thing was just like, wait a second here. And that with, that I could shift um, any one of them from any one of them. Yeah. But sometimes that the, the voice was kind of the quickest way, but sometimes that's not available. If somebody's really locked up in fear yeah. or in this uh, lack of like, I can't do it in this, this kind of third chakra or, you know, all these, all these kind of blockages, like, well, they can't get there from here. So where, where can I take them um, that feels that they can um, find in their experience right now? So as I began to kind of experiment with some of these concepts that I was learning, I never told or very rarely would tell my, my students, well, by the way, we're, we're working on your, on your, um, you know, your heart chakra or we're, we're working on this there. I might occasionally have had the student who could have that conversation, but most of the time that just wasn't available. And, you know, that, skill became very useful to me as yoga therapist because vast majority of the time um most of these people have a very limited idea about what yoga is but i can have the conversations in a very different way also through this lens of sound right because all of us have the experience of music and sound and vibration so all these things just kind of all all melded together very very well and you know i could go back to being a little little kid and you know growing up in a house that had some turmoil to let's just put it that way and some dissonance in my experience you know and i'd feel and i i go outside on that swing swing and swing and swing and swing and swing so movement and sing my head off just sing 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 i'm a little kid just singing away and i knew to do that nobody told me to do that Right. So it just kind of stuck. And later it would be the piano and I'd sit down and I'm feeling really, and I would sit down on the piano, kind of banging it first. And pretty soon something completely different emerges and I feel very differently. Yeah. So I, I've been having those experiences all my life, but yoga really helped me have a language for it, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to kind of um, translate my experience so that I could then help other people translate their experiences, right? So it's not like, yes, help myself, yes. <laughs> but then I can help somebody else and guide them towards this by kind of talking through this sound language, mm -hmm. even if they don't have a yoga language. And if they do have a yoga language, even better, we got it all, we got it all. <laughs> That's awesome. That's okay. awesome. I think, you know, one of the things that I hear you saying in this is that you can really use sound 
to move energy through the different kosha layers. So for those yes. who maybe are newer to the Panchamaya Kosha system, we're talking about you know, the five energetic sheaths that make up the human experience, the physical body, the energetic body, the sort of mental body, the intellectual body, and that sort of bliss body. And, you know, for the purpose of our call today, we won't get so into the Sanskrit, but I think that universally people can, you know, sort of resonate with what you're saying. You know, I've been in conversation with people and I've, had an activation, for example, my whole voice changes, or I get stuck in the throat. I feel it one place, but it like prevents that expression. Um, and so, you know, I find that really fascinating. In particular, I find it fascinating as it relates to children. And you did work with children for a while. So I'd I did to 12 years. A, yeah. yeah. A little <laughs> bit more about that. Like, you know, do you feel like because a lot of this is unspoken, you know, we're not, it's not like mm -hmm. therapy where we're like, oh, you know, how did you feel when your mom wasn't home? But, you know, like now it's like, you know, you're getting them to work with their energy through vibration. And mm -hmm. what kind of shifts did you see in your students? Oh, well, really incredible. Um, and, and such a, an honor to me as a, as a human to, to be able to hold space for them and for them to show up and be like these little mirrors and um, and not little, I mean, these weren't like tiny kids. These were middle and high schoolers, mostly high schoolers. So um, let's just say for an example, you know, I'd have a young woman come in and without her telling me anything, you know, we just start working on her warmups that we've kind of established. And then we get out her song and all of a sudden she's in tears, right? And it's, it's coming out in this judgment that she's got. Um, maybe she'll speak it, maybe she won't. She, she might say, okay, well, I can't do it, right? Like there it's coming, I can see it in her body. Like everything's gripping up, right? Oh, here comes the big moment. So after just, going at it, going at it, going at it. It's like, you know, that's not going to go away, right? So she's going to stop, take a break, do some other things. And then I'd give her something physical to do in her body, mm -hmm. right? And then suddenly the next time she comes back at the same phrase, something new would emerge, right? Like, oh, and then she's like looking at me like, that's crazy, right? <laughs> right, what just happened? I could never do that before. And now I can now. Sometimes, because I worked in a private school, we might have a conversation where she's actually sharing with me kind of what's going on with her emotionally and what's what's going on with her, um, like she just came out of a test where she felt like she really didn't do well or whatever. And now I've got her, um, you know, standing on one leg and, you know, doing different things. Like, okay, suddenly we're doing like chair pose and she's able to do this song where she was just telling herself a story that she's no good at anything right that she can't do anything right so you know this is just a really simple example but i see this in adults as well and in myself right so it's like okay this has a block over here right and sometimes that block we might identify is okay that's there's something going on with solar plexus. Let's go with that. Like it's a worthiness kind of issue. Mm -hmm. 
rather than just bang away at that solar plexus, we can go somewhere else, right? And then may, what I found that's most, most of the time, it actually is a root chakra issue, right? It's, it's safe, right? It's safe. And then we can go back to, um, I have something to express, right? It's safe to express, right? Then we have to go up through that solar plexus to get that out um, and have some self-love in the process. So, but we don't have to start at the bottom, you know? We can start like, okay, this person um, is, is showing up with something um, and they're expressing to me that they're having an issue with XYZ, which to me, I've kind of identified as being um, more of an emotional issue maybe. And the second chakra, let's say, okay. We can turn to the music or sound. In this case, maybe I'm not using singing. Maybe I'm using something else because for them, actually making a sound from their mouth is a little too much, right? A little too overwhelming. Um, but we can let the bull speak for them, right? And they can put that, and they don't have to tell me what it is, right? That's one of the beautiful things about sound. You don't need words. Sometimes we're feeling something and we can't really articulate it, or we've got that other voice in our head that's telling us, we can't say that because that's inappropriate or whatever, right? Like, or we can't even allow ourselves to admit we've got something going on because it's what kind of person am I, if I'm having this issue, but we can give it to the bowl <laughs> or the tuning fork or the chimes or the whatever, right? And the drum, we can, we can beat that drum and allow that to express for us what is blocked. Right. And then I've seen it happen over and over. And it's like magic. It always kind of brings tears to my eyes. Suddenly after a session like that, where I've sort of through other conversation, maybe in, in, um, received some information about what's going on with them. I provide a tool for them. And through that energetic experience, when they're finished, suddenly something comes out of them that they're then shocked that they shared with me, mm -hmm. right? They're just really surprised by the ability they had to actually um, express from that place where in the beginning, they weren't even able to admit to themselves that anything was going on, right? So it's just, is that absolutely providing some clear examples for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It takes me back to your journey, your healing journey, you know, mm -hmm. over the last several years. And, you know, one of the ways that we've worked together, we've obviously had a student teacher relationship. We've had a yoga therapist client relationship, you know, and I think that making those connections, that was one of the biggest things I remember from a, a lot of our one-on-one -on -one interactions was, you know, I feel, you know, you would say things like, you know, I know that that this sound or this resonance can can come out. And yet when I'm in this one situation, right, for some reason, there's something else here that mm -hmm. is sort of preventing that. 
And I guess, you know, the, what's coming up for me around that is over the last, I guess it's been like six years, Eva, can you believe it's been that long since, you know, you started, you trained in, in the garage all those years ago, but over the last six years, you have really steeped yourself in the world of sound healing and mm -hmm. leveraging these different tools. You know, what kind of breakthroughs did you get in just like experimenting with yourself? Experimenting with myself. I'm my own best guinea pig. <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, well, in terms of my own, like my own, my instrument of choice, the one that I studied through college was, was the voice. Um, and then I had a pretty severe car accident right after my freshman year of college. And I had a lot of issues that I'm only now learning more of the extent of, right? Like, and I was just always trying to overcome and, and push through. Okay, so I was, I've never been a kind of blocked in the throat. I've got this big giant sound. Um, so then I would get frustrated when um, I've got this big giant sound and, and sometimes I'm sitting here singing all on my own and there's no attachment to what comes out. I'm just having a good time, right? Singing for myself, not because I have something to prove or I need somebody's seal of approval other than my own. Um, you know, it's, it feels like something is channeling through me rather than me um, actually, you know, manipulating and controlling and pushing, right? It's just channel, clear channel. Right. So, so my work then um, has been a lot, and I've had a few of those, a few of those like here and there as I was, um, you know, over the decades, because <laughs> I think I'm a little older than you are. Um, and then I'd be frustrated because I couldn't find them again. Right. Like what happened that time, right. That I showed up to perform mm -hmm that was so different that time from all the other times when I was just kind of going through the motions. So what I began to do with my Himalayan bowls in particular for me um, was actually place them on my body, on my feet, on my hands, my whatever, not even trying to sing, but just trying to locate vibration in my body. Cause I'd also had a lot of experiences of trauma where, um, you know, I was, was very disembodied, even though, which, which kind of didn't even make sense with how, what a, what an energetic, like, wow, fireball I am and how physical I am. Um, but all of those were just to try to make me feel alive. Right. It was, it was, but then I'd have these experiences of singing where I felt very disembodied but it was because I had this relationship with my voice and with vibration that I was so um driven maybe isn't quite the right word but just compelled to locate it. it's like okay when I when I when I find this connection and what I will call harmony which I will also call union right it's all the same thing it's yoga um that place is always there. 
I just have a lot of other noise going on that I have allowed to, or for life, you know, it's, it's just life has turned up the volume on, Mm -hmm. right? So that now that my practice for myself is um, very dedicated to tuning to that harmony first, which is my inner being, my source, my true self, whatever you want to call it, the divine, the, the one song. I love this, um, this vision or this, this, this inspiration that just popped into me a long time ago now, but it's, it's the one I come to every day. It's like, it's like um, my I am is I am the one song, right? I am the one song. And then I see, I see this giant score of music that's infinite. It goes on forever. And in this grand score, you know, there's lines for each little instrument, right? And there's the little line of Eva, right? There's the, and then there it says Eva right on the, on the score, right? That's the, that's me, that instrument. That's my vehicle for this human experience. But now the line is being, is being created right? The, it's been, it's been composed. I'm there. That's the melody of me, but I still get to be a co-creator with that, right? I get my ad lib or, and here's the note I'm on. This is the one that's getting expressed in this moment. And so often we're worried about the one down the road or we're judging the one that's already gone by. There's nothing I can do about that. And I'm thinking about that one. I'm going to sing a wrong one. <laughs> so all of these analogies to music, um, you know, help me to kind of articulate what's going on on a vibrational level, right? So it's not just about, okay, everything in form is vibration, like everything, everything is vibration. Everything, everything. Okay. So all I need to do, my only job really is to tune to that one song, right? And the contrast that I feel, that dissonance in my life doesn't necessarily need to be bad. Only when I make have a thought that it is, right? I can decide instead that that's a point of expansion, right? We can take all of this to a new, um, a new key, right? There's a point of expansion there. Like, okay, this is showing up. It's kind of feels a little off here. feels a little uncomfortable. That's just telling me, okay, that's in relationship to source. That's a harmonic relationship to source. So here I am in this moment. I feel totally in harmony with this. Here I am in this moment and I'm feeling a little uh, uncomfortable with it. So where am I going? Am I going to tune back to this? So that, oh, actually we work just fine. There's no wrong notes. This is just a new creative way to get to the next one, right? So it's, it just all works really well together for me. And when I have these conversations with other people, this language um, of music speaks to everybody, no matter what kind of music they like, right? We all have experiences of sound, right? It doesn't even have to be music. It's like, oh, is that leaf blower really, you know, it doesn't feel good to me. But the ocean, on the other hand, right? So everyone can find those. 
and that listening is step one and that's ether that's the bliss sheath in ayurveda that's where everything else permeates from ether that's sound right so all we need to do is use our sense organ vibration and our ears right to tune into that and then we can shift everything we can shift everything with it and it all starts with listening actually right anyway i go I off on tangents on this i'm really <laughs> i love it and i love your passion and enthusiasm which brings me to my next question about how yoga has influenced your career. So, you know, you mentioned that you're classically trained in music, specifically in voice, you've taught mm -hmm. music. Um, how have you mixed yoga and yoga therapy with this? Well, I actually chose to walk away from performing for a long time and the pandemic sort of helped with that. There were some, you know, kind of strange recording projects that we were doing by ourselves in our own little homes when it was really supposed to be this, it was an ensemble experience. And I just said, you know, this isn't working for me. So I just said, no, thank you. Is that forever? Probably not, probably not. However, am I using my voice professionally? Yes, I am. <laughs> Because in the world of sound healing, and you, you may know this from some study of the chakra, you may have seen, okay, well, we've got these bija mantras, but we also have vowels for them. This toning is very available to people. They don't have to know anything about Sanskrit um, to, and, and it might actually even be for some people more beneficial because they don't have to get into the thinking mind worried about what they're whether or not they're saying it right or whatever. And, and then they don't, if they're, if they're wanting to make sounds in a language, we then have another layer of mental, <laughs> mental body to deal with, right? So instead using, I can use these vowels and I can um, actually, I did a, an intensive in some, in a method called yoga voice many years back now. I can't remember exactly when Mark Militerno. And he kind of has a method that uses those vowels and those seed sounds to identify um, where, they're, they're, where there's blockage, right? So we can use sound to move the energy, but we can also use sound to diagnose, right? Because when I get really sensitive to sound, I can use a bowl or my voice, or my, or the, that a person's voice, um, a tuning fork, anything, because there's vibration all around us. And now I've introduced something with a stable vibration, just like using a crystal, right? We use those because they have a stable frequency. That's how we know, okay, this stone is for the root chakra. How, how do we know that? Oh, it has a stable frequency of this, right? So that's the same thing with any of these instruments. This is a stable frequency and I can use it kind of as a detector, right? To find um, where there is a frequency that is a little strident, where it's um, depleted, or it's really um, aggressive maggot, maybe even, right? And, and that just takes a little bit of um, 
practice to kind of tune into that nuance and sound, but we all have the ability, right? We've been listening to things our whole life, whether, well, we've been hearing things our whole life. Have we really been listening? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so I use sound in to diagnose things as well. I'll use a person's voice maybe as, I, as they're talking to me. There might be certain vowels that I notice feel a little bit um, stifled in resonance or, and, and it could just be something, oh, there's something going wrong with their jaw or whatever, but it could also be, oh, there's a heart issue there because I'm hearing something in ah with the ah, ah vowel. Um, but then I can also use that same thing to unblock. Does that make sense? And, but then, so then I can go back to prescribing um, particular asana too, right? I don't necessarily even need to use the sound to um, help them come up with a plan for themselves, right? Though many, most people seem to be really open to it. Um, they feel a little uncertain about doing this stuff. They're, they're fine with experimenting and playing and, and, and being led through all that here in my studio, but they're maybe not so okay with gonna go home and start beating on a drum by myself, you know? Um, so instead, you know, they've got some asana. It's like, all right, we've identified that there's a blockage in the solar plexus. So, okay, we're gonna do some twists. And so it permeates all of it. I'm always doing both. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't see them as different entities, right? So, I mean, there's this whole other area of yoga that is not a yoga, right? It's a yoga of sound. Um, lots of, but pretty much every, every ancient tradition wisdom has used sound in some way as a healing modality because they all knew it's all vibration, mm -hmm. right? And we're just relearning that for the most part right? Like, oh, this isn't just for entertainment. So it can be for entertainment. There's some real power in this that we, if we just know a little bit, we can um, put it into action to heal ourselves, right? So am I healing anybody? No, I am not. As the vibration is, they're healing themselves. I might be developing, you know, helping them have an environment that allows for them to access their own healing, right? By using the sound or using restorative yoga or using whatever, but, but um, vibration's doing it all, <laughs> right? There's so many applications for this. I mean, like really there are, I'm thinking right now about my experience in cardiac rehab and I would bring, I think I've told you this, I would bring in the heart chakra bowl and many of them could not handle it. They, it was entirely too much. And, you know, I was dealing with people who had had open heart surgery, valves replaced, mm -hmm. cardiac failure, you know, like um, it was just a very interesting experience to see how, how their vibration had shifted because of the disease that they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was, it was just fascinating to me. I wonder, and, you know, something definitely, you know, to explore in the future is how, 
how can this be used for like, you know, auditory disability? You know, I, I'm always bringing up dyslexia, but when you just said a moment ago, you were talking about, you know, sometimes when people say the ah sound, you know, you can tell that there's, you know, something, you know, there. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as somebody who has dyslexia, I have the auditory version. One of my children has the visual version and my other child is mixed between the two. And it's so interesting, like Charlie can't say squirrel, like he can't say it. He can't say the word squirrel because he, of the way that he hears it, his brain processes it and then, you know, sort of spits it out. It would be so fascinating to me to integrate, you know, sound healing, Nada yoga into, you know, some of the interventions that are done with children, not only for that, but for all sorts of things. Absolutely. And we can even go backward to that. I mean, I had lots of kids in my studio who had various learning issues, right, with ADD or I had, there were a fair amount of students who were actually Chinese boarding students who, you know, because they grew up with a certain language, they had certain um, issues with their tongue and how that moved. Um, I had several kids who other teachers had maybe written off as not even really being able to sing because they couldn't match pitch. And that wasn't true. It just was training their brain how to tune and then come out here. And others of them, it was just a matter of, oh, I'm in fear. When I'm in fear, my brain can't allow me to tune into the sound and actually also make that sound. So I've already seen this happen so, so much. So there's definitely potential there. Um, and in the ear, like we have a double vagus nerve system, right? Like that part of it is tied to our vocal cords. There's, there's a double break on our, um, our vagus nerve. And part of it is with our auditory system and we have our voice. So it's both through the listening and the speaking. So I would find it really fascinating to see, okay, if this person had uh, manifests with this particular um, block, like this word squirrel, <laughs> like if we took that apart and what were those sounds, you know, cause we know um, if we really studied tantric chanting, mantra like each one of these seat sounds so where where is that in the mouth like there are meridian points it's also fascinating that is really that is fascinating i i think there's just so much to learn there and mm -hmm. so much to explore um definitely definitely really interesting i want to hear a little bit more about some of the training that you have done in you know sound healing and sound healing certifications and things like that because I know that, you know, in the past several years, you've done quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I'm just what I'm curious as to the different, you know, like, um, like the different sort of scopes of different trainings. Well, one of the larger trainings I did was through the Sound Healing Academy in the UK. Mrs. Tony Neck is the headmaster of that school. And in the United States, my Mentor through that program is Natalie Brown, was a pretty well known um, in the sound healing community. She, 
she's got a podcast on <laughs> on healing sounds. Um, and through that program, I chose purposefully to work on the um, the curriculum for the one on one clients because I was also do, doing yoga therapy training at the same time. And I had this extensive background working one-on-one with voice students, which always ended up being more like therapy than, you know, what you might traditionally think of as a voice lesson. So within that school, you know, you have all of these instruments to choose from that you, you have a few, you know, maybe 10 modules. I, I'm trying to remember them all, but they weren't all different instruments. Um, but you could choose like which ones are the ones I'm going to really learn and do this curriculum for, but I've got it all available to me, right? And which ones am I going to do my case studies around and which ones um, do I want to really, because it's, it's challenging. You're learning a whole lot of new stuff at one time, even though I'm already a voice person. So I chose not to do the voice because I already felt like I knew that. And I did it separately. I, I, I did all the curriculum, but I like, all right, I need to learn this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, so in those modules, like, okay, this one is only about crystal bowls and this one's only about gong and this one's only about, but there's some principles that are really basic to all of it because I have training university training as a musician and years and years and years that um the way that i understand it is a little different from the way that they teach it right though the way that they teach it is awesome and you don't need to be a musician to understand and apply the methods but what i found myself doing as i was learning their language and the way that they teach um, I was already overlaying with other things I knew and then yoga on top of that. Right. So, because it's really not anything about yoga through that training. And which is one reason I chose it. It's like, I don't need that. I've got Michelle's training for this. Um, I'm going to really go deep in a school, a school setting. I wanted this academy setting, um, for this really long intensive training with them, which was, um, I, I did I completed mine in 14 months with them, um, can take longer, but that's what I did. And then on top of that, I was doing all these other little trainings with, um, people who were specialists in particular areas. So, um, John Bolyu wrote one of the, it was kind of the one of the pivotal figures in, in terms of um, sound healing kind of gaining, gaining credibility as a valid integrative and complementary therapy. He's um, a PhD in psychology and was also a naturopathic doctor and worked with um, another psychiatrist who learned sound healing and actually wrote the chapter in the primer. I've got it sitting on my shelf. I could pull it out if you want, but primer for uh, complementary integrative therapies that physicians are given so that they understand what these therapies, that what these modalities are about so that they can recommend to um, their, their patients and clients, for them as patients, right? And for us as clients, so, some of these things and, and what, 
what ways would they um, want to recommend? In what case would they want to recommend it? So he was one, uh, Kulreet Shahari, um, Dr. Shahari wrote like The Prime, that was one of her big books, but she also wrote one called Sound Medicine. Neurobiologist, neuroscientist, neurologist, you know, really brilliant woman. And through her husband, who is an American who got into Himalayan bulls, she started to come into an awareness of um, her actual heritage chanting, though she remembers kind of doing some meditation and chant, she'll tell stories about that. Um, so she's got a school embodied philosophy that I did some programs with her and with Krishna Das through her school um, in chant, though, you know, with Kirtan, I'm, I do that for my own fun. <laughs> and I, uh, at this stage of the game, I got my Shruti box back there. Um, you know, that's more about my own devotional practice than really feeling like, you know, I, I mean, I, I spent years and years and years and years as a worship leader. And before that, when I was Catholic as a cantor through the Catholic church and, um, you know, that was always about helping people have an experience of the divine, right. And connect to helping them connect to God. And now Kirtan is my own, one of my own practices for that. Right. So, okay. There's so many, there's so many teachers. Where else are we going with this? Um, I did, I've taken a, several that were voice specific just because I wanted to see how is that different from, um, what I've done before in, in terms of classical voice training. And when I'm now using the voice really intentionally for healing and to guide people in healing. Um, so I wanted that perspective on it. Uh, and then more of the yoga voice. What else? So many, lots more, more tuning fork stuff. I learned, I did some biofield biofield tuning, which is a, about the electrical body, you know, I'm not trained. I'm not certified in biofield tuning. Make that clear. That's this whole another thing with tuning forks, uh, Eileen McCusick's work, but I find her work, um, that she's done kind of mapping out the energetic body, yeah. right. And, and using the forks to kind of comb the field and retune <laughs> Cause we, we have an electrical body. We know this, right. We know this medical science has showed it, right? Like we, we know this and we now have some proof, medical science proof to back it up. We extend way beyond ourselves, right? So she was finding all of these different things showing up in this field. That's actually around us, which traditionally would have been called maybe the aura, mm -hmm. right? So biofiltering. So you name it. I've probably given it a whirl. I've, <laughs> I've done some drum training. Uh, there's a guy named Jim Donovan, who's, um, teaches a lot of drum stuff because he was a drummer for a well-known band years ago. And, um, that's been part of his healing journey. I'm probably leaving out a lot of ex really important ones, but that's great. I it's mean, broad. It, yeah, it sounds like it is. Yeah. And I, I know you and I have talked briefly, and I'm sure some of our listeners would really love to know, in your opinion, and this is not like, you know, academic definition, but in your opinion, 
what's the big what's the big difference between um sound healing and sound therapy hmm so it's to me it's similar to what we would say between yoga teaching and yoga therapy right there's a level of assessment involved mm-hmm. in that right and then sound therapy the way that i was teaching it through for the yoga therapist in training at at my vinyasa practice my perspective is that in a group setting, like when you're using sound, just like in a group yoga, yoga class, right? You're kind of, you're keeping everybody safe, right? It's not specific, but then you go in, okay, well, what about private yoga teaching? Okay. So in group sound healing, you're basically doing a meditation, right? There are a lot, there's a lot of debate within the field about like, well, we're not healing, we're not healing anybody. And what can we call it that really makes sense? But that's what everybody calls it now, a sound bath. And I said, okay, sound healing meditation, right? Or we're, we're creating this environment so that most of the people here, if not all of them, feel safe enough to actually have a relaxation response, right? And that might be something I do some of the time as a sound healing therapist, right? Or sound healer and doing sound healing meditation. But then when someone comes into my studio by themselves and let's just say, for example, they recently had um, neck surgery. They've had something fused in their neck Um, they've gone as far as they can go with PT and they're still not getting a good response in their body. Right. And we're working on gaining a function because I have the yoga therapy background, but then we're also working on, okay, I might use my tuning fork. I've got one right here. Like I might use a tuning fork like this, like directly on the neck. Mm -hmm because we've had these conversations. I know what's going on with her, right? I know because of my training, you know, what's going on in her cervical spine and where it would be beneficial to use this fork in particular, right? And where am I going to put it on her? And in what posture am I going to put her, right? So I'm putting all that knowledge together. Then we might do you know, some of the other work that we're doing that seems more like yoga, but then before um, this person leaves, I have through the conversation and through just feeling that energy and all that, I've, I've come to a realization of a sound meditation experience that would be beneficial in my um, estimation. And I will set her up for that with all of the props she needs because I'm a yoga therapist and I know what to do. I'm not just putting everybody flat on the floor and, you know, I'm putting her in a truly beneficial posture for her. And then I'm creating experience for her. So certain conditions that we have, and you know, this is a yoga therapist, like there's certain things that are big no-nos, right? Like, okay don't want this person to have their feet above their heart or or whatever, whatever it is, right? So all of these things we're weighing, but I'm also doing that when I create her personalized 
sound healing meditation, right? What I have figured out over time, what I was doing um, without realizing it at first, in a lot of those sessions, what I was creating for those sound healing meditations as a sound therapist were a lot like yoga nidra without the script, right? That's what I was following basically. Um, though I might make different choices based on, okay, this person has this chakra going on. So I'm going to put two bowls that are by narrow to create a, a brain wave state for her or him that will induce this or whatever, right? So I'm putting all this knowledge together really specifically based on assessment for that person, right? So when they leave my studio, they're not going to be able to <laughs> just go home and give themselves a sound bath like that. But there are things that arise from our session together that then using sound that they can do for themselves. Yeah, that's great. No, that's okay. perfect. You know, I, I think when I think of sound healing and I think of like some of the terms we talk about in like sound healing trainings and certifications, I think about resonance. And, you know, when I teach on psychological healing or physical healing or emotional healing, it's all about coming into congruency. It's about coming into resonance and that mm -hmm. the dissonance is what is causing that misperception of separation. So when we think about sound healing, whether it's a sound bath or whether it's a one-on-one -on -one session, I mean, I'm all for the word healing because bringing people into resonance is healing, you know? And so I think that's great. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've actually in, maybe just in, in the last year or so come to even a bigger understanding about dissonance, right? There's a place for it. Think about it in music. It's what like, oh, there's something new coming. It different part of our brain actually processes that, right? So when we, and we all experience dissonance in our life, incongruency. So what's it want, right? It either wants to come back to home right? And be back into balance or it wants us to evolve to something new, right? So it's not necessarily bad. So there's noise, there's distortion and there's dissonance and dissonance doesn't have to be distortion, right? It's a creative impulse. It's almost like, um, appropriate stress. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when we kind of label all of those you know, things that give us the, make us tighten up as bad, you know, then where can, where do we go from there? Because it, it just keeps coming. Right. So instead it's like, Oh, Ooh, listen. Oh, there's that, there's that little dissonance. What's it trying to tell me? Oh, okay. It's telling me I need to um, practice coming back into alignment with my source, or it's telling me I have some changes to make so that I can cooperate with this forward evolution here, right? Or, or this expansion that's happening, right? And I'm resisting it right now. Instead, 
okay. It's got something to tell us. That's all. I love it. Oh, yeah. Eva, that's so beautiful. That mm -hmm. is really beautiful. Well, before we hop off, tell us a little bit about your projects. What do you have in process? What are you excited about working on these days? Well, um, one big thing is I'm working on a course for your school, for my vinyasa practice. Um, that is going to be kind of a foundation in sound healing. That's different from the live training that I was doing for the yoga therapy program in the clinical application, but it's also foundational to it, mm -hmm. right? So it's one of the basics, the broad basics. How does all this work? What's kind of the historical background? How do harmonics work? Why do we care? Why <laughs> all, of, all of this stuff and kind of the basic how-tos on some of the more popular instruments. Right, I, I, you can literally use anything as a sound healing instrument, and I obviously I'm not going to be able to cover everything, but some of the more popular ones I certainly will because I want um, students to be able to take the information in that course, and whether they go on and work one on one in more of a sound therapy as they continue in their sound therapist kind of sound healing journey or they, they want to create sound baths for others, or they just want to sit with a bowl for themselves. I want them to have enough tools that they feel confident doing that, right? And that um, I've given them resources. I've given them some basic get started because it can be a little intimidating. I know so many people who will buy an instrument and it just sits there. Mm -hmm. Just sit there and sit there. I have a neighbor across the street. She was given a bowl. She's in her seventies. It was given a bowl decades ago. They don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. And, or we're doing it right or whatever. So it's just, yes. Now you have a little bit of information, but you need all the information you do not. You can just there. I'm going to make sure there's some really simple practices. Like, so if you knew, knew nothing, you know what vibration is and you can be with it. And there's some really simple tools for that. And then so much more. And then that will continue to evolve over time as more courses are created um, per what students want, right? Like a specific one for voice, of course, I will do that too. <laughs> now here, I, I have moved from Austin where I lived for you know 20 years, 20 over, over 20 years to um, the Florida East Coast in the tropic zone, right? So I did that less than a year ago. So it, and it has been quite of a wild ride for the last year, but I'm definitely starting to get plugged into the local community here. Um, and I don't seem to have any, people just find me. <laughs> People just find me. I did have a website, but um, that that's being rebuilt. So currently, there is not one there. But it's True Harmony Yoga Therapy. People find me and um, show up, and I've got a very nice little studio, as you can see, in my backyard, actually, and it's a five-minute walk to the beach. Oh, I love that, Eva. Mm -hmm. Do you work with people online at all? Yes, I do. I do work with people online. Yes, um, and of course you know, when I was doing all this sound healing training with everything, having moved online, all of a sudden 
as a classical musician who never had to learn anything about audio technology, <laughs> I had to learn that, right? Because we've probably many people have tried to do online sound healing stuff and, it, and the audio just doesn't translate. And you're like, well, I'm just gonna trust that vibration is real and it's coming through and it's fine. Uh, yes, and you know, we can do our best to, to create an audio experience that's at least somewhat comparable to being in person. I really enjoy um, in person, it's, it's just different. It's different energy, right? I enjoy this on the screen and I enjoy in person. It's, it's just so different. And that was a huge learning for me just in the pandemic right? Suddenly I'm teaching voice over a computer screen, sometimes halfway across the world <laughs> in the middle of the night, I'm teaching in the middle of the night. So they can be up in the middle of the day singing in their apartment where they can't make noise at a reasonable hour for me. Um, you know, it's like, oh, this does work, right? There's, there's an energy just in that intention of connection. And if we can find ways to improve audio, awesome. Now with sound healing, you know, we have, we have sound receptors in our skin. We have sound receptors on every cell of our body. We have antennas that are receivers of vibration. So it is a different thing to have an in-person experience, but do you need that? Can you give that to yourself? You know, once you learn a few things with me one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and perhaps we do like a nidra mixed with, you know, a sound bath and it really helps somebody have an experience of relaxation in that moment. But then they come and see me in person sometime somewhere. And they're like, wow, that was really different, beneficial in a whole different way. Right. So they both and I do both. Um, eventually. It might be that I'm more tied into a studio here. I've had some conversations with that, but I've, I've really hesitated to commit to many things in that way because of these other things that I'm trying to, not trying, I'm doing all these other things that I'm creating. Um, and then I kind of envision over time um, being able to do more group experiences online. Once people understand like, okay, this is not, um, it, it's, it's our community and, but we're, and we're experiencing this together energetically, but it's, it's, it's just very different from being in person for sound. Yeah. Oh, I think that's wonderful, Eva. I'm so happy that you have such a beautiful space and that you're five minutes from the beach and you are, you know, really thriving in this environment and we are really excited about your upcoming offering and you know being able to offer uh, our student population a foundational course I think is really important one of the things you know just as a as sort of a closing thought is I've been blown away with your knowledge uh, on the subject and that's one of the things that I find is a little bit um well, it's definitely unique about you as a teacher is that you do have academic classical training in 
voice and music and sound, which, you know, although I'm not, you know, in that sound healing world, I have had a little taste of a few different trainings and certifications. And, you know, if you're coming in and you don't have any foundational knowledge, it can sort of be, you know, difficult to wrap your brain around some of the language and the terminology and, you know, the relationship to, you know, different, you know, um, to different sounds and the way they harmonize. And, and so I'm really just grateful that we have such a knowledgeable expert uh, that works with us and creates this content, both in studio and, you know, online for the online population. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be really awesome. Me too. And I, I guess I got sidetracked talking about that a little bit. It was like, that's, that's one of the things I really want to, um, do with the sound healing course for my vinyasa practice is because it's a yoga school, right? So many of the trainings don't kind of overlay the yoga concepts with the sound concepts. And as I said, in my experience, they're one and the same thing. So, you know, as you're learning a little bit of maybe, maybe a student is only coming for the sound healing, but they're going to end up getting the yoga anyway, in a way, right? And maybe they're, they've done some other yoga courses or even just a little bit of it. And, and now they're kind of getting this congruency with how sound works so magically. And, and we kind of see the sound as like, oh, that's just a nice little bowl or chime at the end of class, but we don't maybe have an understanding about how those things really are very well married, right? <laughs> Together. So anyway, I'm thrilled with, you know, uh, years ago when I started with you, I didn't have any clue <laughs> how all of that stuff of my life, you know, all of these, these steps, you know, would come to this point, right? Right. They just unfolded one by one and here they are. And now I look back and go, well, of course, <laughs> of course. So it's awesome. And I appreciate so much the training that I've had with you that kind of put me on that path and that you recognized in me something about the sound that you really encouraged. Yeah. I was like, okay, Eva. <laughs> and it, even with you, you know, some of the things that kind of popped in were in, in delivered to me, inspired to me, even in that very first training that you're like, uh, do you even understand that this is a, an amazing uh, realization that you've had, that this is not like a usual kind of, um, inspiration is like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate all of the encouragement that I've received from you over the years and we're, and our partnership as things evolve over however long we're around doing this work is wonderful. Well, it is an honor to work with you, Eva. It's just, it's been a, a joy to watch you evolve. And I, I, really am always thrilled to be able to collaborate with people that, you know, have crossed my path either as a teacher or as a student and now are colleagues and we can, you know, share in educating the collective about how to use their body and use their environment to heal. Mm -hmm. So thank you again, Eva, for chatting with us today, for coming on and for all of your contribution 
to MVP and the MVP community. Uh, we will look forward to launching that course here coming up in the next you know, couple of months, maybe early next year. And we are really excited about all the things you're doing. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much for being here, Eva. Y'all take care. We'll be back next week. Have a great day.